This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. We're going to get a review of MSC's Maravilla today. We'll also have Sherry Kennedy with Cruise News and answer one of your questions about staying connected while you're in port with your loved ones back home. Uh, If you want to catch any of our Carnival Horizon coverage, check it out on our website at cruiseradio.net. Also have some coverage coming up from Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Seas in Norwegian Bliss. Doing that one on next Thursday. Going to go up there for two days in New York City. So uh, super excited about that. Jumping right to Sherry Kennedy, who is over in Europe. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Where in Europe are you today? In Rouen, France. R-O-U-E-N. You've been gone for like, yeah, what, three or four weeks now. Is it, does it get tiring at all, or is it more of excitement going from place to place to place? It's a little tiring, a lot exciting. I'm going to new territory this week. Um, we're heading to tomorrow. Actually, it's a, it's a long, almost a 10-hour bus day to get to Omaha Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the landing was June 6, 1944, so next year is the 75th anniversary. That's got to be an emotional day for you. It's going to be an emotional day for everyone, I think, but uh, for me, too. Yeah, wow. Well, to cruise news here, a cruise ship went through the pier in Honduras. What happened here? And this is one of those odd stories that you really don't know what happened here. It was the MSC Armonia, and it was trying to dock at the pier at Coxon Hole in Roatan, like you said. And uh, apparently, you know, people on shore were watching this or people on board were videoing it. And, of course, it went viral. And, you know, it's like we've seen this before where a ship just doesn't quite make it to a complete stop to dock at the pier. And apparently that's what happened to MSC. They had dropped the anchor, so it's being said that it was, I'm not sure the correct words, but um, a controlled crash. No one was injured, of course. It, you know, the ship's going very, very slow, but it damaged the pier enough that subsequent cruises had to be diverted. I don't know if they've gone to other ports or a different port within Rotan on the Bay Islands. Yeah, it was one of those freak accidents that luckily didn't hurt anyone. I was talking to my dad last night at dinner. He's a retired captain. He was telling me the way the the angle he was coming in and uh, the you know how quickly he dropped the two anchors to slow the ship down. Yeah, like you said, it was definitely one of those controlled crash situations where it was probably a technical issue on the bridge. Something got jammed or what have you. But anyway, I guess we'll find out more when the report comes out. Norwegian Cruise Line has taken the delivery of Norwegian Bliss. Finally, we've been talking about this ship for it seems like years, and we're going to see her over here pretty soon. Yeah, it does seem like it's been a long time in the making, but she's finally going to be here and will arrive in New York on May 3rd. It will be a two-night preview event, a big inaugural celebration in New York, and then the ship will go down to Miami for a two-night preview event, cut through the Panama Canal, pop up in Los Angeles with another two-night preview event, and then make, the ship will make its way to Seattle. Uh, her home port, and uh, there will be another christening, you know, the big gala christening ceremony will happen in Seattle. And then right after that, there will be a three-day cruise to Victoria, Canada, and come back to Seattle on June 2 for a series of seven-day cruises, round trip from Seattle to Alaska. That should be pretty nice. That would be a, 
a nice way to see Alaska on a new ship, I think, right? Yeah, oh, totally. It, there, this ship has some features that I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, a lot of features on cruise ships these days are kind of gimmicky to me, so I really, don't, I really don't get, like, super stoked about them. But the Texas Smokehouse, the barbecue place on there, super excited about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think the laser tag is going to be kind of cool, of course, the go-karts. And they have this, uh, it's called Happy Hour Prohibition, where it takes you back to the pro- uh, Prohibition days at a speakeasy setup. And uh, that's going to be pretty cool, too. So I'm looking forward to Bliss next week and talking all about it. Uh, let's see, last talking point here. Carnival Cruise Line getting rid of straws, drinking straws. Is this a green initiative, you think? It has to be. It, it must be. Um, and I, you know, I applaud Carnival. You know, the first thing we all think of, oh, they're trying to save money. But on the other hand, uh, as John Held mentioned on his website, uh, his uh, Facebook post, rather, that if you lined up the 500 million straws that are used and thrown away every day in the United States, it would wrap around the earth two and a half times. So, you know, it really is a, a huge waste of plastic. And, yeah, I applaud Carnival for taking this initiative. I'm sure it saves them a little bit of money, but it is a green thing, I think. Um, if you, you know, if you're one of those glass phobes that doesn't want your lips on to touch the glass, you can get a straw upon request. So it's not that they're not going to be there, but they just won't automatically be tossed into every single drink. So I think it's a good thing. What do you What do you think? Well, I was paying attention last week on Carnival Horizon, and I noticed that if you got a frozen drink, you got a straw. But if you ordered like a can of soda with a glass of ice or even just a soda can, you didn't get a straw. But if folks were asking for straws, they were getting one. So I guess it's Carnival's way of being more environmentally friendly, I guess, right? And I have noticed, too, on the private islands, um, for years you would get a, um, a plastic plate yeah. you know, that would support the corn. And, and now they're using these heavy cardboard, um, which are, of course, disposable. Um, hopefully they're made from recycled products, which would be nice, so they could keep uh, keep them going in, in return. So. Yeah, you know, the more ships we have, the more people that are they're feeding and, and are drinking, we have to do something. Our listener question today comes from Eric via Facebook. Eric says or asks, what's the best way to reach out to my kids back home while in a cruise port? Well, Eric, um, you know, before I go and plug a particular phone carrier, you should know that if, unless you have a special package, it's going to cost money whether you do text messages or you try to call them. And you didn't indicate which you prefer. So I'm thinking if you just want to reach out and check in on your kids, text messaging is probably the best. Now, I have T-Mobile, which gives me unlimited texting when I'm in port. At most ports around the world, you can always check it out. AT&T allows you to buy a text messaging package, as does Verizon and Sprint. I think Verizon might have the next closest unlimited package, uh, like T-Mobile, but I'm not 100% positive. Of course, if you have Internet on your ship, you can text them anytime. Uh, Barring all of those, the next best solution is to go ashore, either follow the crew to where they go for their Wi-Fi, or head for a Starbucks or McDonald's and buy a, a coffee or a French fry, get the passcode and log in from there. And that's probably your cheapest way to do it. Um, but if you're trying to do, say, FaceTime or Skype, you should know that with so many people in these uh, in the in the restaurant or dining venues, they're all eating up the bandwidth. 
bandwidth on the establishment's uh, Wi-Fi connection. So, you know, FaceTime doesn't always work, but certainly sending text messages is simple. There you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, safe travels around Europe. We'll talk to you next week. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. Dr. Chris and his family just returned from a seven-night Mediterranean sailing aboard MSC's Miravia. They did a round-trip sailing from Marseille, France. How's it going? It's going good, Doug. How about you? Good, man. Uh, excited to hear about this, uh, I guess, second newest ship, because what, the MSC Seaside came out before that was the Miravia, correct? Correct. Before we get to the ship and before we get to Marseille, let's take a step back, as always. Uh, what made you want to pick or what made you want to sail MSC Maravia? Well, we were actually booked on the seaside, and as we were pricing airfare from California to Florida, we actually were seeing some airfare that wasn't that much more expensive to go to Europe, and we actually had the Miravia booked for our Norwegian cruise this coming summer, and it's like, well, we could save money by actually traveling to Europe. We were more intrigued by the ports, having been to the Caribbean a lot, and it was a good way not only to try out the fourth largest ship in the world and a ship that's only six months old, but also a way to see some really cool ports and to kind of test drive the ship to see if we would want to be on it for a 14-week cruise to Norway this summer. You make your way from California over to Europe. Uh, Talk to us about logistics and getting to the port of Marseille. We flew out of L.A., so we just found a really cheap uh, hotel deal. And so we got direct flights out of L.A. straight to Paris. And then we hooked up with a commuter flight from Paris down to Marseille. So it was like an hour, hour and 20 minute flight. It wasn't very expensive or very long. And then we took the train back to Paris. But we uh, spent four uh, nights in Marseille pre-cruise just to kind of explore the Christmas markets and the various sites and museums and whatnot. So this is interesting because um, MSC Maravilla, which a lot of these cruise ships do over in the Mediterranean, you could actually embark at whatever port you want to, correct? 
Correct. And I actually liked it. I mean, I've seen reviews about people not liking it because it treats it like a fairy. Mm -hmm. But they do a really good job um, in transit or continuing guests have separate entries to the ship. New guests have separate entries. And I would say in Marseille, I think there were only about 300 of us who boarded. Mm -hmm. So getting on the ship was a piece of cake. There were only three boarding groups as far as I know. And we had priority embarkation because we status matched with their frequent cruiser club, the Voyagers Club, I believe they call it. So I enjoyed it. Getting off the ship was equally easy. Cool. How does a lifeboat drill work in something like that where they're embarking new guests every day? So you basically have to do it before sailing. That you know, That's the rule on all the ships. And they just tell you that embarking guests have a drill at a set time. And basically you go to the main theater you sit through a very short video and then you're uh escorted to your muster station from the theater um but people do miss it um we had friends who boarded two days later in rome they didn't realize there was a lifeboat drill having not cruised as often so they got a letter in their cabin basically saying they had to do it the next day do a makeup gotcha now when you embarked in marseille i'm trying to think what is there a big terminal there or how did that work there is. I think they can actually accommodate something like seven ships. Okay. So, yeah, they have a dedicated terminal with the, you know, big bridges just like in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Um, and being winter, they only had um, the Miravia in dock. But when we came back, uh, Viking – I think a Viking Star was in port. So it can accommodate quite a few ships. Uh, you get on the ship. Yeah. What's the first thing you did when you got on MSC Maravilla? Let me think. Uh, you enter, uh, We made reservations for uh, Cirque de Soleil that we had booked online. Um, you enter through the main promenade, and they had all the people set up there. And then I think our room was ready, actually. So we went to our room, stashed our stuff, and then went up and had some lunch. What kind of stateroom did you have? We had a balcony cabin, and um, I was very picky on what we picked. And so we got one on the bend. So we ended up with maybe a 90-square-foot balcony. Okay. Um, and it was recessed in from the ship, so we had no wind. It was all blocked by the superstructure, so that was pretty nice. How was it as far as, like, the English on board? There was a, you know, the there were a slight or a few kind of language barriers with mm. some of the staff, but we could get through it. It wasn't anything detrimental. When it came to the kids' club, sometimes the movies would be in Italian, mm -hmm. but my son didn't seem to care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to the stateroom, uh, as far as the space and the layout, did you like? The space was good. They need, they could definitely use some more storage space. Mm -hmm. um, it's laid out a lot like... Um, some of the other newer ships, it has a small closet either next to the bed or next to the uh, sofa. But there were only a couple drawers there. And while they have this long kind of desk or credenza, there's no storage space there. There's no drawers or cubbies. So um, if we were on there for more than a week, I think we'd be a little have a little difficulty finding a spot for everything. Does this ship have plans to come to uh, America or is it staying over there? No, it's coming here in 2019. So I think it's going to start off with a few sailings from New York and then home port in Florida. I really see this ship as trying to compete with Royal Caribbean. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the design features, the their, I'm going to call it the Royal Promenade because mm -hmm. I can't remember what they call it. Sure. It's a, it's a pretty close copy to what 
anything from the Voyager class up has. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have this sports court that's two decks high that's uh, enclosed in glass and they have parties and stuff in there. And if you look at the Cirque de Soleil, they call it the Carousel Lounge. It's very similar to pictures I've seen of 270 on okay. Royal Caribbean. Let's talk about dining on this ship, and we'll start with the main dining room. What did you think of the service in there? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Um, the, it was a little packed with tables where it was hard to get to your table because they didn't really have pathways kind of carved into the way the tables were laid out. But um, I've seen complaints about portions being small. I didn't find them particularly small, mm-hmm. but I would say they were inconsistent depending on what you ordered. Sometimes you got barely anything and other times you got too much. So there was definitely inconsistencies. Um, as food, uh, as far as food allergies, they are probably the best line I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They actually have dedicated food allergy menus. So unlike other lines where you have to order in advance, they actually already have a menu that's laid out with items that meet your dietary needs. So that was pretty cool. Now, as far as any specialty dining, did you do that? Did too, and we did that because we got them complimentary through the Status Match program. Mm -hmm. Personally, the steakhouse was good. Uh, If I was paying a la carte, I would have been uh, really disappointed. Mm -hmm. While the steak was good, the pricing for side dishes was absurdly high. Um, like if you wanted dessert, which was two really small scoops of ice cream, it was like six euros. Wow. And I don't think you got maybe two quarter cup scoops. And, and then we ate in Italy mm-hmm. and that really should be called a tasting menu because I had read people say they were hungry afterwards. And I'm like, how can that be? You have multi courses, but my wife needed to go to the buffet afterwards because she got <laughs> so little food. <laughs> oh, Wow. Yeah. That's, so with this, um, the status match, so did you match up your status with Royal Caribbean with them? Yeah, and we got their highest level. So we got a discount on the cruise. We got a bunch of perks on board, Prosecco, um, a, a rendition of the ship in solid chocolate, a few parties that we didn't attend. And uh, there were other things we could use, but the, probably the most valuable was the free dining. No free Wi-Fi? Nope, no free Wi-Fi. Although they do have a social package similar to Carnival's, which is relatively inexpensive. Remember last time we spoke on your your Baltic cruise? Did you go with the Google package again this time? I did not this time because apparently T-Mobile claimed they had an add-on for data that you could use. Mm-hmm. But when I went to add it on, they were no longer offering it. So uh, um, I still was able to do everything with T-Mobile's, you know, kind of international plan mm-hmm. but i couldn't do any kind of live broadcasting yeah. gotcha um, but it saved me money yeah there you go you mentioned your wife went up to the buffet what do you think of the buffet food i thought it was good it depends what you were interested in oddly lunch was better than dinner um and the reason i say oddly is we've actually come to enjoy having a couple of dinners in the buffet mm-hmm. at night and they actually did a better job for lunch than they did for dinner Um, They would have a carving station at lunch, but they had very limited selection for dinner. Now, if you were going for like um, meats and cheese, they make their own cheese on board. They make an awesome mozzarella. Those were consistently good. The pizzas were consistently good, Um, but they didn't mix up the variety much. There were no like theme nights. So it's pretty much kind of the same thing every day. Ah, gotcha. So 
if I were on board for two weeks, I'd probably get a little tired of the same thing day in and day out. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears to entertainment. Uh, what do you think of the entertainment on board the Miravia? The kind of extra charge entertainment was quite good. We did the Cirque show. Um, it was 15 euros, about 1650 uh, US dollars. And that came with a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, the cocktail wasn't worth <laughs> the money charge, but the show definitely was. They have a dedicated theater for the show, and it was quite phenomenal. My son loved it. He would have gone again if we would have let him. Mm-hmm. Um, the theater shows were pretty consistent to what you see on most cruise lines. Um, being it's European and multinational, uh, there were definitely a lot more kind of song and dance shows. Um, I'm not really into song and dance shows, so the first one we walked out on, and it wasn't anything about it being bad. It's just not our style of entertainment. Mm-hmm. But we did go to one that was, the premise was uh, a character got sucked into a cell phone. And so all the routines were about different apps that were being activated on the phone. And that was entertaining because it was so different. It was so bizarre and abstract. Sounds like an acid trip or something. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. And then they had a guest entertainer that my son saw through the kids club. So he insisted on taking us because he thought we'd really enjoy it. And it was kind of a comedian slash um, ventriloquist slash magician show. Do you find any language barriers um, with the bartenders or in the main dining room? Not really. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I can't think of any time where we had a significant language barrier. So did you have any sea days on this? We had one. How was and the ship as far as crowds and congestion? It was good. I was I was quite surprised, you know, with I think they're close to 6,000 passengers. Wow. I think it's 5,700 right in there. I expected, especially because the only rainy day we had was on the sea day, that it would be crazy. But it was manageable. It wasn't bad at all. L- you know, lunch in the dining room was a little more crowded, but it was... There was no wait for seating or anything like that. That's amazing. Like, this is mind-blowing to me. I mean, I've sailed the Oasis-class ships before with 50-something hundred people, but it's hard to think of a ship with that many people that's not the you know an Oasis-sized ship. You know what I mean? 50,000 gross register tons smaller, I think. Yeah, something like that. So it's it's close to the same number of passengers as oasis but smaller but somehow they dispersed quite well and it said the ship was full that there were no upgrades available the promenade looks pretty wild on that um, msc ship do they have um rooms like royal caribbean where you can actually book rooms overlooking the promenade oh they don't actually um what they have are the specialty restaurants and shops and a couple of bars okay arranged along the promenade which seems like a good idea on paper but i would actually say in retrospect it makes for a very noisy dinner uh, yeah, um makes sense. Those locales now for the bars and stuff it was great because it added a lot of liveliness to it and they had a great pub mm-hmm. um but half of the dining on the two specialty restaurants upstairs was kind of like patio seating, and it was just really noisy, oh, wow. really kind of act. Well, uh, let's talk about the ports you hit, and you said you started it in Marseille, so let's go to the next one there and just give us a brief highlight and then so on. Okay, so we started in Marseille. Um, next stop was Genoa, Italy, and we did a, kind of a rickshaw tour there. 
That was fun and just wandered about. I really love Genoa. That's really the main port for the ship. That's where the most people board and disembark. Then we went on to Rome. I know you're a master at pronouncing the port name, so I won't try. Chivashevecchia? Is that it? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And so this is the only excursion we booked, and we booked a tour of the Vatican. Cool. And I was actually surprised at how reasonably priced their tours were. Um, After Rome, we went to Palermo. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we went to, we were supposed to go to Malta, uh, but that was canceled due to weather. So we ended up at another Italian port, I believe called Caligari. While I was disappointed we didn't make it to Malta, I was grateful they substituted another rather than adding an additional sea day. And then we ended up in Barcelona and pretty much other than Rome, our standard procedure was just to hook up with someone at the port and do a tour. Uh, most ports, it was with uh, getting a cab driver to take us on a three-hour tour of the area. Okay. And that worked out really well. Were these tours, were they all the ones you did not do through the cruise ship, like just getting with a cab driver and taking a tour of the port or the uh, yeah, city? Exactly. Were those pre-planned, or did you just like kind of, when you got off the ship, you found somebody? When we got off the ship, we just did it on the fly. Okay. Wow. And it worked out really well. I mean, it ended up in most ports being less than 20 euros a person because we had two friends who joined us in Rome. So we split it five ways and, you know, we could move at our own pace at our own speed. And so we got, you know, three hours, a three hour personalized tour for 20 euros a person. So you make your way back to Marseille where you disembark. Um, how was that disembarkation process? It was easy. Uh, we also benefited, again, from that status match. Mm-hmm. So we were most people have to be out of their rooms by 8 o'clock. We were allowed to stay in our room until 9.30, which was when uh, disembarkation occurred. So we literally waited till 9.30, got out. I picked up a last coffee at the coffee bar and were probably on the road by 940. It was a simple walk-off. With the status match, with the, um, what is it, the black level you get? Yeah, I was, I'm diamond on Royal Caribbean, which isn't their highest, but it's high enough to match to MSC's highest, highest level. Right. Okay, so with that, were there any kind of like um, complimentary drinks? Like you mentioned, like you went to the coffee bar. Was that free or anything like that? Yeah, I bought a coffee package, which okay. was really reasonable. Um, so there were, the only complimentary drinks you got were at different welcome back parties. Mm-hmm. So you had to attend the party. Um, but you did get, um, uh, you know, sparkling wine or Prosecco in the cabin. You got the chocolate dipped right. strawberries. Gotcha. You got the chocolate chips, um, which were solid chocolate. I mean, we brought them both home. I think we'll have to melt them down or something. There's so much <laughs> chocolate there. Um, my wife thought they'd be hollow, but they're right. probably a couple of pounds of chocolate each. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, what else? We got the... Each got dinner for two with the status match. And at one restaurant, it was about $48 a person. And then the other restaurant would have been about $35 a person. So you figure right there in dining, we you know, got about $150 worth of value. And then you also uh, got a percentage um, off your cruise? Yeah, they give you somewhere between 5 and I think 15%, depending on the type of voyage. They're really trying to get the American crowd there, aren't they? Yeah, they're being really aggressive. Yeah, and, that's uh, awesome, though. You know, pretty much they'll status match anything. It could be hotel, hotel loyalty, I think even airline loyalty, 
any cruise ship loyalty. I mean, they're pretty generous. The The caveat or the catch is you have to continue sailing with them or you lose your status match. Uh. So you have <laughs> sail every years, you lose your status match, and you can only status match once. wonder if I could use my ABC Liquors card. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone who's wanting to try out MSC Maravilla? You know, go in knowing it's going to be a multinational uh, uh, shipboard of people. It, it, it's like any European cruise. It's going to be less homogenous than what we're used to in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, the style of service is a little bit different. The food is, I think, equally good as anywhere else. And, you know, if you think the portions are small, just ask for more. We had a waiter that was not shy to ask us if we wanted more, which we never needed, but it was nice that he asked. Um, entertainment, you know, is going to be very different simply because you have so many languages on board. Um, trying to think anything else. Just go in with an open mind. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I think that's the way to go. You know, don't believe everything you read online. Mm-hmm. Um, ship, I think, was only recommended by about 30% of the passengers if you read the cruise reviews. And most of the criticisms I repeatedly saw, I, I just didn't experience, even though I was looking for them yeah. based on previous reviews. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight for you? You know, I always enjoy cruising on a something new, especially a new ship, a new design. Um, so I would say just the ship itself, but also the itinerary. I really love Genoa mm-hmm. and Rome and Barcelona. And, you know, my son had a really good idea. He said he wished they would have substituted that uh, one port that we got and just gone to Barcelona early so we could add two days there. Yeah. I asked him that same question. This was his, I think, 18th cruise. And he'll be 11 this month. So he's he's got a few cruises under his belt And he said the highlights for him were the simulators on board. Mm -hmm. They have a bunch of flying simulators, 4D theater, arcade and stuff. And then also Rome and Barcelona. So those were his highlights from a 10-year-old's perspective. Hey, and speaking of your son, I know he likes the kids' programs and all the ships he sails and always meets a lot of friends. Uh, How do you like this one? I liked it. Um, You know, there were fewer kids that uh, spoke English, but they did a lot of activities like a – a rock, paper, scissors kind of challenge where you didn't really need to be able to speak the same language. Um, and a lot of kids in Europe are bilingual or yeah. trilingual, even quadlingual. Um, so he he managed to communicate with them. The only thing he didn't like about the kids club is they did a parade through the promenade a couple times. And he's getting up that age where he doesn't want people looking at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are your final thoughts of MSC Maravilla? I liked it. Um, I I would not hesitate sailing MSC again um, if she were doing the itinerary that I wanted. Well, Dr. Chris, thanks for sharing your review. We appreciate it. My pleasure. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.